All right, everybody, welcome to the Bald Eagle podcast. I am Sean Cressman. I am the Bald Eagle. Thanks for joining me. I have a new audience here. I have, uh, I'm streaming on Instagram live. Um, so if you want to catch me there, go for it. Um, the Bald Eagle podcast is an exclusively Philadelphia Eagles podcast. We only talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Now, admittedly, you know, that isn't a, a real strict rule of mine. Of course, during the playoffs, we discussed all the other playoff teams. And if there are trades out there, people that we were looking to hope, or I was hoping that we might trade for, uh, we might talk about those people as well. Um, so I have a couple rules that come along with my podcast. Um, first rule, most important rule for me um, is no politics. You don't have to worry about me talking about anything to do with politics. There, there may be on a, possibly, and, and it, it's only slightly happened so far, there may be an exception to that rule um, if for some reason um, that would bleed into football. So far, the farthest it's been is is discussing um, the COVID-19 restrictions on indoor and outdoor venues. So we've talked about that, but that's about as far as we go with politics. So you can come here, um, only hear about Philadelphia Eagles football and not have to stress out about any other uh, things that are going on in, in your world. We also don't spend any time talking about personal stories. Um, I always refer to, almost always, almost always refer to the same, uh, the same um, Fox uh, NFL show, Sunday NFL show, where they always have a, 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 a part where they're interviewing a player or they're talking to a player. And, and all they're doing is really asking about personal, from how, you know, they ask about their family that, you know, there's pictures of Carson Wentz back when he was an Eagle anyway, um, you know, buying a, a Bobcat, which is great for him, but I don't, I don't spend any of my time on that stuff. Strictly Eagles football, strictly football. Um, and lastly, I'm not censored. So, um, you know, hide your kids. <laughs> All right. So we always have a countdown on the Bald Eagle podcast and we're not really counting down to anything. Uh, but the huge or the big news today was at 4 PM Eastern. So slightly uh, less, uh, more than two hours ago, the 2021 NFL league year started. So we are officially in the 2021, 2022 NFL season. At the same time, um, the, the two day window for what they call legal tampering in the NFL to discuss options with, um, with, uh, uh, NFL, uh, free agents ended. And of course the uh, legal, um, uh, beginning of, of free agency started. So now teams don't have the, you know, don't have to worry about just talking to them. They can actually sign people. Um, so as effective 4 PM, a, a whole slew of, of, uh, signings that we had heard about became uh, formal, um, including the, uh, including the trade of Carson Wentz to Indianapolis. Now it's funny because I keep hearing that, um, that at least in the news around here that I read that Philly got, Philly got a conditional first round pick for, um, um, for Carson Wentz. And I guess that's not necessarily incorrect, but I just don't like to call it a conditional first round. I like to call it a conditional second round. And I call it that for two reasons. Number one, I think it, uh, it, it, um, uh, shows us the fact that a, a um, we were either desperate to get rid of him and teams knew that, or he wasn't as good as um, a lot of people think. Um, and B, um, it doesn't oversell what we got. We only got a second round that could possibly become a first if he plays, I think, 75% of games or 70 and they make the playoffs. So it's a pretty high uh, watermark to hit. Um so I, it's a conditional second round because it become a first, not a conditional first round. And there was actually, I think Jeff McClain, uh, I think it was, um, actually posted that now that it's official, the Colts are saying they traded, they got him for a conditional second round, and the Eagles are saying we got a conditional first round. So um, kind of puts it up there, um, you know, for in perspective. Jeff Einan, thank you very much for watching. Watching, You're right. That is my uh, high school jersey up here uh, for the Southern High Spartans. Uh, number 29. I appreciate the uh, the shout out. 
Thanks a lot for uh, watching, Eric, too. Uh, what's going on with you? Um, here's Jeff Fine in nice Spartan jersey. Uh, so we were the, in high school, I was, uh, I played at Southern Lehigh. We were the Southern Lehigh Spartans. Um, okay. So um, free agency began at 4 p.m. Again, a lot of that stuff uh, that we had heard of, rumors of all the signings, we really didn't do anything I, off the top of my head. And, and I've been checking uh, Twitter and news to see if there's anything that, that happened that I wasn't aware of. We haven't signed anybody in free agency. There weren't, aren't any rumors that we were going to sign anybody. Uh, and we've lost a handful of players, but uh, I think two off the top of my head that were meaningful, but nothing significant. Um, so um, just to kind of talk a little bit about free agency and the salary cap for people that may not be you know, quite uh, up to date with things like that. Number one, um, the salary cap is essentially the most that the uh, each team can um, can spend on all the contracts for all their players in, in a given year. Um, previous to this year, um, for the last seven years, the salary cap had increased uh, roughly $10, $10 million per year. Um, and that increase, that increase, um, was pretty consistent over a seven year period. Um, so $10 million every year was added to the, to the salary cap. So in 2020, the salary cap was 198.2 million. If history had kept repeating itself, um, and we wouldn't have had uh, shutdowns, um, they estimated that would have gone up to at least 209 million or more. Um, so when everybody says, oh, we're only shaving off 16 million from the cap as compared to last year, that's not inaccurate. But we're, we're shaving off 16 from last year, but we're probably losing 26 plus uh, for where we should have been this year. And because, uh, you know, the, the salary cap has increased and it's a direct correlation to the NFL's revenue. Um, so as the NFL's revenue increases, they allow uh, teams to spend more money on players. The nice thing too is that everybody, every team is at a, is in the same spot and can spend all the way up to that 182.5. And I think every team has that money to spend, so you don't have an issue where smaller markets are able aren't able to um, to get as many uh, to to spend as much in free agency and get those big players as large markets. Um, so uh, so it's a nice thing. Um, so it would have been roughly 209 million. Instead, it's 182.5. Um, now, uh, there are rumors that the NFL is, is negotiating pretty hard on TV contracts for, for the upcoming season. Um, I've heard rumors that Amazon might carry all the Thursday night games um, exclusively. And I think they're paying somewhere in the area of a billion dollars just for that, those games. So the, the TV contracts are expected to be significant. Now, I know ratings were somewhat off. Um, you know, you, you, heard, you saw some of, the, uh, some of the notes about ratings percentages being off. But even in an off year, the, as far as TV deals are concerned, the holy grail as of today is live entertainment because everything else can be DVR'd and watched on demand. Um, nobody really wants to watch a, a game after it's ended and, you, and you've already, you already know the score and everything. So, so um, there's some pretty uh, exciting, you know, if you're a football fan, exciting news about, uh, you know, these TV contracts and all that stuff. Well, I guess actually... <laughs> It's exciting because we know that the players' salaries might go up, and and uh, you know, and that brings competitiveness. Maybe not so exciting because you know, indirectly, those huge contracts bleed into um, the cost that we pay for apps and cable. Anyway, now, um, when it comes to from now uh, today at four p.m. until um, the final roster cut, um, I actually wasn't off the top of my head aware of how. Um, but the NFL uses what they call the rule of 51 to keep teams within their salary cap because as of today at 4 p.m. until final roster cuts and through the season, they have they cannot exceed that salary cap. So you might think to yourself, well, 
you know, oftentimes teams will carry, uh, you know, upwards of 90 players on a roster during, um, you know, preseason and, and uh, you know, OTAs and stuff. And that's actually, that's correct. So the NFL's rule of 51 states that from the beginning of the new league year, which was today at 4 p.m. until final roster cuts, uh, they have to keep um, the 51 highest cap hits um, have to be within the, the salary cap. Um, and that's, you know, which is somewhat flexible because you think about it, uh, most teams carry about 53 players. So there's a little bit of wiggle room to negotiate contracts and be a little bit high uh, going into the to the season. Um, so that allows teams to keep a full roster at 90 players and not really worry about the salary cap. Okay, so uh, uh, season started today. Officially, free, free agency started. Eagles haven't, uh, you know, to this point, haven't done anything yet. Um, but uh, next date that, that uh, is somewhat important is April 5th. April 5th is the day that uh, teams that hired a new head coach over the last over the offseason, uh, like the Eagles, can begin their offseason workout programs. Um, they get a nice two-week uh, head start um, because clubs with head coaches that are returning um, have to wait until April 19th to start their offseason workouts. Um, April 23rd is the deadline for restricted free agents to sign offer sheets. I didn't look this up. Maybe I will for, for my next one. I'm not sure how many restricted free agents are out there and with offers. Um, and then the 28th, five days later, is when those restricted free agents, or I'm sorry, when when the clubs um, uh, that that hold the restricted free agents have to match the offers received um, or let the free agent go. So they have five days until April 28th. Um, another date that we would have been talking about, and in fact, probably would have been close to over um, and actually is going to continue uh, through April is the combine. Of course, because of the virus, no actual um, combine in Indianapolis. However, um, they are uh, the college pro days are going to be a big, a much bigger focus. And in fact, um, I believe they had uh, Trey Lance's uh, pro day on NFL Network, maybe. So um, I think I haven't watched NFL Network, but I'm sure that they're airing a lot of these pro days. They started back on the fifth, and they'll continue through April 9th if there's a certain uh, team or player that you're looking to see um, how he does it at his pro day. Um, you can always go on to, I think there's a list on ESPN perhaps that lists all the pro days and all the days, uh, um, the colleges are having pro days and all the colleges, you know, for each day. So if there's a specific player, um, you know, or team you want to watch, you can go for that. Um, they're limiting, I guess, historically, and I didn't double check this, but you never, there was really not much of a limit uh, of how many play, how many people you could send to pro days, perhaps because most people didn't send a lot of people to pro days, utilize the combine as their, their primary tool of scouting. Um, currently uh, this year, they're limited to three representatives, uh, at any given pro day. Um, now to that, to that effect, and this is, we're going to start talking about some rumors, which is, I'm not a big fan of because they are all rumors, but they are still, you know, there's some validity to some of them. Um, we sent two representatives, um, offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach, um, to Trey Lance's pro day that created some speculation um, that way we may look to draft him, which means we, we were considering taking a quarterback at number six. Now that also created speculation that we're doing it just to throw other people off. And, and, you know, there's, there's a game to be played here. Um, perception is reality. So if think if people think we're going to draft a quarterback, it might cause them to change who they draft, um, you know, the first five rounds or possibly how hard they would, they would negotiate with us to, to take our, our pick, you know, if, if they really want Trey Lance or one of the top quarterbacks and they think we're going to take him, and I think it's a smart move to, to, to bluff that, absolutely. Um, it can create, um, you know, that number six pick can become more valuable than it already is and, and could create a, a really good opportunity to trade for some maybe some later picks or whatever. Because, we, I, you know, in my opinion, 
I don't know that we'd necessarily need number six um, overall. So I think we could drop down in the first round a little bit uh, and maybe get another second round, depending on you know how desperate the team is and what they have left. Um, now the the next uh, the next uh, uh, huge, uh, in my opinion, uh, date on the calendar is the NFL draft in Cleveland. Um, uh, that's going to be from April 29th to May 1st. For the first time since 2013, we have four picks in the top 100. Um, we've have, have a pretty good record. Um, the last two times that happened, we've drafted some pretty decent players in two, in 2013, we drafted, um, Lane Johnson, fourth overall, Zach Ertz, uh, 35th, Benny Logan, 67th and Matt Barkley, 98. So not bad. Um, and then on, in 2012, we also had four picks in the top 100. Uh, we drafted Fletcher Cox, 12th overall, uh, Michael Kendricks, 46th, Vinnie Curry, 59th and Nick Foles, 88th. So, we have a, a decent amount of success when we have a lot of picks in the, in the top 100. Now this year, um, not only do we have four in the first 100, but we also have 11 total. Um, we initially started off with, um, with eight. We received two compensatory picks in the, in the sixth round. So we got two, 224 overall and 225 uh, because we lost Jordan, Jordan Howard and Ronald Darby uh, because they were free agents and had produced at a relatively high level compared to their peers. We got some compensation for losing them to free agency. Um, uh, something we'll cover uh, again is um, some roster moves, but uh, one of those create gave us another another round, uh, uh, another pick in the seventh round. Marquise Goodwin, um, we we uh, traded for or we we signed him uh, for a, to a one year deal, and after the one year deal, he could return to the 49ers and we would get a seventh round pick in return, and that's what happened. Marquise Goodwin opted out last year because of COVID. Um, and then this year we, uh, returned him to the 49ers per the terms of the trade. And in return, we got another seventh round pick. So we have a total of 11 picks this year. Um, we got that first round in the sixth or the sixth overall. Uh, the second round is number 37. Uh, the third round we have number 70 and number 85. We don't have any in the fourth round. Uh, the fifth round, we got 134 and 140, uh, the sixth round, 165. And then those two compensatory picks, 224 and 225. Uh, the seventh round, we have number 239, and then that uh, that pick from the Niners, which I think is 239. Um, I was told we got their original pick, and I and from what I can what I could uh, gather, um, the uh, their original seventh round pick was number 239 because they had a second one, but they they got it from another team. So speaking of the draft and speaking of needs, uh, you know, on our team, um, the core, the 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 biggest, in my opinion, uh, uh, need that we ha well, not the biggest. We have a lot of huge needs, but one of the biggest needs we have now is a veteran, in my opinion, quarterback. Um, currently, we only have one um, quarterback officially on our roster, and that's Jalen Hurts. Um, I'm I'm all for, and I'm a proponent of him starting, and I'm and I I think um, things could go very well with him, but we need backups, and he is a second year uh, quarterback with four, uh, you know. Four NFL, four NFL starts, four and a half NFL games. Um, so we need a veteran back there as well. I trust our staff, and I think our staff is good. But there's there's nothing that can replace a veteran quarterback who's currently playing or who has been playing, um, you know, over the past few years. So there was a the nice little list of free agents that were available that I thought we could um, entertain. Um, I put them in order, and uh, the majority of them are gone. So my number one, actually, I took out the order because they're all gone, but. Uh, in, in no order, um, you know, we could have considered Ryan Fitzpatrick, uh, but he was signed by the Washington football team. I thought uh, Tyrod Taylor would have been a great backup, but he was signed by Houston. Um, Andy Dalton, 
you know, he was a former cowboy, not a fan of, of the cowgirls, but, um, uh, but he had a good, he, he did pretty well backing, backing up, um, uh, Prescott. So he could have been an option. He was signed by the bears. There were rumors that we were considering Jacoby Brissett as a, as a backup. Uh, there's, you know, there's relationships between him and, and our new coaching staff. He was signed by the dolphins. Um, Cam Newton, I, you know, I never really thought, I don't know that Cam Newton wants to be, and I don't, well, we'll see what happens to him in, in new England, but he was resigned by new England. So there's really not many um, free agents left uh, out there. Um, if you take a look at the, some of the re remaining names, um, I'll give you a, a you know a list so you can so you can see how poor they are. Now, now there, admittedly, there are a couple out there that aren't so bad. Mitchell Trubisky would be a great backup in my opinion. Um, I think he could come in and and do a sufficient job. He has experience. He actually had a Pro Bowl year um, in 2018. Um, you know, his career completion percentage, 64% is not horrible. Um, 64 touchdowns to 37 interceptions. So it's not like he's throwing, you know, a ton of interceptions and his quarterback rating in his career is 87.2. That's not horrible. So he would be a pretty, pretty decent backup. Now, um, he might argue that he could be a starter, um, or he wants to be in a position where he has the potential to start. Maybe he feels that's this, I, I would hope it's not. Um, but so he's, he's a name out there. That's not, that's not, um, hasn't been taken, hasn't been taken yet. Uh, then you got Alex Smith, who I think would be a great backup as well. I think would be probably, you know, thinking about it now, Alex Smith would be my number one uh, free agent acquisition for quarterback uh, because he's had so much success. He's had such a long career. And realistically, he's he's probably not playing mostly because of his injuries, not necessarily because he's fallen off as far as, as production is concerned, at least not significantly and not long term. So Alex Smith would be great. However, um, he's coming off a, a huge contract. He was, I think, he was, I think the the contract he signed with with Washington was four years, ninety four million. We couldn't get anywhere close to that. So um, those are probably Alex Smith and Michael Trub Mitchell Trubisky are the top quarterback free agents that we could look at. But after that, it is a a, a pit of third stringers. Uh, you got C.J. Beathard, A.J. McCarron. Um, uh, Flacco's in there, Joe Flacco, but you know, and, and maybe he would be a serviceable, ser serviceable, ser serviceable second, but but you know, not great. Mike Glenn and Geo, Geno Smith, Ryan Griffin, Nate Sudfeld, who's been our third string for a while. RG three, he's interesting. Um, you know, he had some good years, and and you know, frankly, I'm in favor of uh, lining up our backup quarterbacks with the same style of our our starting starting quarterback and. Hertz is a little bit of a runner, hopefully not too much because, because I'm not a, a huge fan of running quarterbacks, not because I don't think it's a successful, I partially don't think it's a, a successful model, but more so it's just, you know, I just don't want them to get hurt. And, um, um, you know, every time they run, it's, it's just an opportunity to, to injure something. So RG three is interesting. That might be, uh, you know, my, he, he might be thrown in the list with, um, Trubisky and, uh, and Alex Smith. Um, then you got, uh, what do we got here? Uh, Nick Mullins, Colt McCoy, Barkley, who was, was our third string for a while. I'm not, I'm looking at a list here on NFL update. It says Colin Kaepernick. I'm not sure why he's included on this list. Cause I don't think he's played for four years, five years. Anyway, Blaine Gabbert, um, uh, uh, Brian Hoyer, which was one of the lists. He, he was uh, up on the list as maybe a, a potential backup, but his stats are more uh, closer in my opinion to a third stringer. Um, in, uh, in his most recent start in 2017 or, or his most recent string of starts in 2017 with San Francisco, he, uh, he started six games. He was 0 for six. He only completed 58% of his passes, uh, for 1,245 yards. Um, so he averaged just a hair over 200 yards passing per game in six games. He had four touchdowns and four interceptions, which is, is not good. 
uh, and a sort of 74.5 rating. So um, third, third string quarterback um, um, production there. Um, but he comes with um, a 12 year career with seven different teams. Um, so he has a, a long tenured career. And, you know, one of the things that I've always said, and I said this back when we uh, hired Doug Peterson, was that um, I'm a huge fan of former quarterbacks as coaches, um, especially um, former quarterbacks who didn't have who didn't have a ton of success in the NFL. And I say that because um, if you have a um, a ton of success in the NFL as a quarterback, it could partially be because you're you know physically gifted. You have a strong arm or an accurate arm or whatever. You know these these second string guys who hang around like Doug Peterson. Um, who hang around backing up, you know, these top guys, um, they're, they, they, uh, survive not because they're physically gifted, but because they know the plays, they know the, the, the systems, they know where the open men are going to be, um, uh, and they know how to read defense. So a second string quarterback that lasts a long time in the league, in my opinion, um, the odds are they lasted because they, uh, because of their intellect, uh, which I think transitions very well into coaching. Um, so we got, uh, let's see, what do we got here? Uh, who's left? Uh, we got, uh, Blake Bortles. He, you know, he wouldn't be so bad. Um, you know, he doesn't have a real, uh, a real strong background. He hasn't really completed it. You know, he's lucky if he completes 60% of his passes, which isn't good. Um, he did have a good year there through for over 4,000 yards in one season. So he's, he could be a decent backup. Um, then they got names on here. I've never, Tim Boyle, uh, Brett Hundley, uh, McGowan, who I think is going to retire and, and be a coach, um, and a bunch of other teams. So that, so essentially, you know, we're really running out of, um, there, there's not, a, there's not a lot of decent second string, which is what we need, uh, free agent quarterbacks out there. And the concern for me is that unless we're going to trade for someone and there are a hand people, there are a handful of, you know, I'm not here. I'm actually not hearing a ton of rumors or, or desire for any decent second string quarterbacks to be traded to another team for, for as their second string quarterback. Um, but that would be the only opportunity. Now, if we end, you know, if we get to the draft and we haven't signed a veteran quarterback, I'm going to be extremely concerned because I don't think it's a smart idea to go into the regular season with a, um, a second year, uh, quarterback as our starter and then two rookies as our backups. I think that would be a, a horrible idea. So I'm, I'm, I'm confident that we'll get somebody as a veteran, but I just don't know who, who they have their eyes on. I don't know if they're waiting till the dust settles to try and get somebody really cheap, or I, I'm honestly not sure. But um, the concern, however, is the longer we wait to, to, to grab a quarterback and free agent, in my opinion, the more likely that we do actually draft one, heaven forbid, at the six overall, overall, overall pick. Um, because I don't, admittedly, I could be wrong, but I, I just don't think the odds are in our favor to draft another first rounder for address another quarterback in the first round um, and hope that he's our, our franchise quarterback, especially when, again, if you look at the tape for, for Hertz, it's, it's, there are some very positive uh, things in there. And, uh, you know, in comparison to Wentz, who was a five-year, a five-year veteran, the negatives um, weren't as bad as the negatives with, with Wentz. So, you know, I think there's a, a good opportunity there. In, in my opinion, uh, I, I don't think we should draft a quarterback in that in that six overall spot. In fact, I had normally I had previously stated that I thought we should take a wide receiver. I had thought about it a little bit more, and actually, I was really strongly leaning towards Kyle Pitts at number six. And I was I was leaning towards Kyle Pitts because we obviously need a breakout receiver. Um, and I think we I think one is good. I think uh, one 
uh, number true number one receiver, um, I think would would lift our whole wide receiver core up, and I think one would be enough to to, to make our whole core um, sufficient. And I say that because um, I think Greg Greg Ward is a uh, is definitely a starting uh, slot. I don't know if he I don't know if uh, um, a slot uh, receiver. Um, watching tape last year, um, almost every play Greg Ward was was very open. Um, I want to say I'm, I'm giving, I'm throwing out some, some, uh, things here. I would say that upwards of 60% of the passing plays that we ran last year, um, Ward was either open or wide open. And I think if, if we can, uh, get our quarterbacks to look his way more often, I think he could be a great playmaker. Um, I think we add a veteran wide receiver to bring that, to bring that, uh, n- you know, that number one guy in p- perhaps Galladay, if we can get him. Um, I don't know if Smith Schuster's a number one, but he, he could be dynamic enough to pull, to pull safeties away. Um, so I say we get a veteran wide receiver. There's a ton out there. Hopefully we can get them at a decent price. And there's a lot more, um, I think, uh, stability in a veteran versus a, uh, um, you know, a, a rookie. In addition, I think we have, we have bigger needs on the other side of the ball that we should probably address or we should address. And I think we should address those earlier. So, um, I mentioned, I, I'm going to skip a, back a, a, for a second here. I mentioned that, you know, we could get some, um, you know, some movement in the draft or in, in, um, um, yeah, perhaps with a trade for a quarterback. Um, the only thing I can, the, I've heard some, I, I, I believe it was one of our, uh, one of the NSN, um, uh, Dylan, the, the guy who runs NS notoriety sports network mentioned that there's some rumors that, uh, Gardner Minshew might be up for, or looking to be traded. Um, and you know, we could, we could work something out, uh, hopefully with, with, uh, an even trade with, with Ertz. Um, so that would be, I think that would be a great deal. What's up, Ryan Reese. Uh, thanks for watching and listening. Um, so that would be an interesting trade. Um, I know that Ertz wants to leave. I was going to talk about that later, but, um, um, if we could even trade for a, for a good veteran second, second, uh, uh, second quarterback, um, that would be, that would be great. Um, so in my opinion, and so I'm going to start talking a little bit about the draft now, uh, in my opinion, I'm going to go over what we, uh, what I think we have a need at, 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 uh, on our team. And I'm going to take some consideration to who's available in the draft, but by all means, I want to disclose that I'm not, um, a huge college. I don't watch or pay that close attention to college. So I'm not as knowledgeable, but as, as of today, anyway, about who's in the draft and, and how they pan out in, uh, in episodes coming up, we're going to go into detail about you know, some of the possible, I'll look at a bunch of mock drafts and, and do some research on some of the people that they expect us to take in the sixth round, which uh, the handful I watched, it was all, uh, it was all uh, uh, Jamal Chase, I believe, Jamar Chase. Um, so I'll take a look at that and we'll do some more, more uh, research on that. But so my opinion, um, and speaking of Ryan Reese, I'm going to talk about you for a second here, um, you know, talking to him on the free agency roundtable and some of those other guys, they actually were one of the ones that, that sort of changed my mind to going from um, you know, Kyle Pitts, um, or, a, or a big name receiver in, in for number six to somebody on the defense. Um, so my opinion, uh, I initially thought Kyle Pitts, um, and I thought that would be a great, because we need a wide receiver. He lined up as wide receiver often in college. Um, some people call him a big res- wide receiver. Some people call him, uh, you know, a tight end, but he plays both. Um, I think that Dallas Goddard is a top 10 or so, uh, tight end. So I don't think we need a tight end. Uh, but we need a wide receiver, so he would fill that void if he's if he's as good as everyone thinks he's going to be. But he could also spell Goddard and make plays in in tight end too. Um, but I, but rethinking things, um, I'm going to stand by my opinion that that uh, we don't necessarily need um, 
a, a, a big tight end and or uh, you know a, a high drafted wide receiver. I think we need to focus on the other side of the ball. So where I'm coming from, uh, when you think about our our positions, right? Um, I think in um, at quarterback, I think we need to get another uh, you know a veteran free agent, and then we can draft another quarterback in the later rounds. For running back, I think we need. Uh, I think we should get a free agent, uh, a big free agent running back. James Conner would be a would be a great signing if we could get him for a decent price. Um, he's a bigger back. Um, you and he could spell uh, Miles Sanders and Boston Scott. I think Miles Sanders is is definitely a top ten running back in the league if he gets enough carries. Um, and I think that a bigger, uh, a more north and south runner, um, uh, you know, could be a good a good change of pace. Um, and then of course you have Boston Scott, who's this little guy that, that, uh, you know, that can hide behind offensive lines and is really quick. He would be a great, uh, you know, a third, third down back or you throw him in. So that would be, that would fail out our, our backfield and wide receiver. I want to get a, I want to get a good free agent wide receiver. Uh, maybe Kenny Galladay. I mentioned Smith Schuster. I don't know for sure. Um, if Smith Schuster is, uh, is necessarily a, a first rounder, but aren't, uh, or I'm sorry, a number one, but on our team, he would be, um, Will Fuller's out there. Um, I know AJ ground, AJ green just got signed. Um, I'm a, I'm a fan of Sammy Watkins, but I don't think he's the number one. I think we really need to grab somebody that, that can be a big, a big, uh, name that's going to draw attention because I think that's going to open things up. Um, so in our wide receiver core, we get that, um, we get that number one, hopefully in free agency, hopefully we get a good name. And then I think Greg Ward is a solid slot starter. I think he could be one of the better ones in the league as well. He's, he's oftentimes open. Um, and then I think we have a handful of um, existing, uh, you know, young wide receivers that we could develop. Um, so I don't know that we necessarily need to draft a wide receiver that high if we can find one in free agent. Um, so I'm 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 in uh, I'm in uh, the same same uh, um, category as Ryan Reese here, who who made that comment. Um, I think we should go defense for number six. And, uh, you know, according to mock drafts or, or the, the, the rankings, uh, certain and Farley are number one and two, um, uh, corners. I think we should absolutely draft another corner. And I say at this reason, at this, for this reason, you know, we're talking about how heavy wide receiver this draft is number one. And number two, um, we struggle, our, our biggest struggle was in pass coverage last year. Um, especially in zone. We need a young, fast corner um, that can actually shut people down um, and, uh, you know, make some plays. We also need, I think, uh, you know, pretty close to the need for corner would be for a safety. Um, so I say with number six, we grab a corner. Now, admittedly, um, I didn't get into the specifics because, again, I don't I didn't look at any of the mock drafts, what, what players the other teams would take. I could sit here and list, you know, all the players I want. But, of course, other teams are going to grab them beforehand. So number six, I say we take a corner. Not a flashy, exciting pick, but I think m- much more meaningful than than those flashy ones. And I think it would make us much more competitive in an offensively uh, minded league. Um, in the second and third rounds, we draft safety. I think we draft a safety in the second round. Um, and then in the third rounds, I think we grab a wide receiver and a linebacker. I think we could find another decent wide receiver, maybe find one of those, uh, you know, decent third or, th- you know, late round picks that can that can be developed throw them in with, um, you know, the other guys we have in there, Quez Watkins, Hightower, uh, Travis Fulgham, Arthago Whiteside, and, and, and Jalen Rager, who was the first round last year. Throw them in with them, let them, let them uh, compete, and, and, and keep the guys who, who really perform. Then in the fourth through seventh rounds, um, I, gra- I think we grab a backup quarterback. I think we wait till the fourth round at least 
to grab a, a quarterback. Um, I think we grab some offensive linemen, some defensive linemen, and I think we grab uh, you know a couple linebackers in there too. Um, and I think that would I think that would do a you know between the free agency signings and you know filling in those spots. I think we could have a pretty competitive team. Who knows how competitive? I'm not going to sit here and, and guess. Um, you know what our record would be and all that stuff, but I think we could be relatively competitive. Um, so, like I said, uh, you know, we're going to go into in, in subsequent um, um, shows. We're going to go into uh, details about who I think we should draft. We're going to go over all kinds of mock drafts. Um, we'll do some evaluations of the players uh, and go through their specs, and, and we'll see who I think specifics. But that's that's the overview. Um, uh, so to sort of recap, just so everybody's you know, everybody knows what the official Bald Eagle podcast um, uh, plan is here for the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, we sign a veteran quarterback, uh, second string. We sign, uh, hopefully we can grab a veteran wide receiver who could be a number one on our team. Um, and then we grab a, a big uh, um, uh, running back, uh, a big stir- big guy over, you know, over 210, 215 uh, um, that can knock people over. Um, we fill those needs in free agency. Uh, the first round, we take a corner. Second and thirds, we do uh, safety wide receiver linebacker and four through seven, grab a, a third string quarterback to develop uh, some linemen and a linebacker. So there you go. Um, again, uh, on some uh, on future shows, we'll go into more detail on that. Okay, so let's get to some Eagle news. There's, there have been a lot of restructures and and uh, and signings. and Well, not signings, but restructures going on. So let's go. Um, uh, let's see. All right. Looks like uh, Stefan Gilmore is traded to Washington. Yeah, yeah. Josh, uh, Josh here said that yeah, this is. I'm going. I'm saying. That I'm assuming Josh knows what he's talking about. Um, remember, I said this was not censored. So, um, hopefully, you guys are not offended by the language. But uh, yeah, Rivera is spending some money. Absolutely, he's doing it well. So are the Jaguars and the Patriots. If you want to talk about somebody loading up. So a couple of things to talk about um, in anticipation of the season. Here's where the politics will play in, in a very small degree. Um, uh, I guess effective April 4th, um, Governor Wolf has increased capacity at uh, events. So increased the indoor capacity from 15 to 25% and outdoor capacity from 20 to 50. Um, So hypothetically, if the Eagles were going to play a game today, their stadium holds roughly 76,000 people. Actually, it's roughly 69,000. I think I talked about that last time. Roughly 69,000, I think, is capacity at the link. Um, so we'd be able to put, you know, almost almost 40, about 30,000, 30, 34,000 people um, could fit, which is significantly more than I think the 18 that were allowed before. So the point is we're growing. We're, we're, our capacity is increasing. Um, and I, and I, will, um, I would be willing to bet, <laughs> and I'm not a betting guy, that by the beginning of the season in September, we are at 100% capacity. Maybe we need to wear masks. I, I don't know. But at least we'll all be able to fill the stadium if we want to. Okay. Um, roster moves. I mentioned there was a lot of restructures going on. Actually, I'm gonna before we talk about the restructures, I just want to go over exactly what a contract restructure is because I've gotten some comments uh, on some of my posts that um, that people are con- not concerned, but they think that if a, if a player restructures his contract, he's getting less money. And that's not always the case. Now, it is sometimes, and um, one of the examples of a restructured contract where the player got less money would be Tom Brady. And actually, uh, as of late, um, he's been getting, I've seen some praise for Tom Brady and quarterbacks like him who are willing to take either pay cuts or not get huge raises to keep the, the core of their team together. Um, oftentimes Tom Brady would take a restructured deal to, to save cal- salary cap space so he the, the Patriots could go out and fill other needs. 
And he's, you know, he was, the team was very consistently good. You kind of position that against, uh, you, you know, Patrick Mahomes, who took uh, the biggest contract he could get. And now they're cutting players like Eric Fisher and other people to make cap space. And it may not, and I'm not suggesting, I'm not making any predictions about the Chiefs because who knows what they're going to do in, in the draft and so forth. But uh, it may be detrimental to their long-term success. So essentially what happens is um, the majority of the number that is included in the salary cap is base salary. Um, so essentially restructuring a contract is just moving uh, some numbers, some dollars from one accounting method to another. You move it from their base salary uh, to a signing bonus. Um, and it's just it's just an accounting move. Signing bonuses are treated differently when it comes to the salary cap than, than an actual base salary. For example, um, if you are if you are a player uh, that is owed ten million in twenty twenty one, like Derek Barnett, who by the way did not restructure yet or or sign a longer term contract, um, that ten million base salary would mean a ten million dollar cap hit. So what they can do is um, they'll restructure a contract and hypothetically they'll pay this player the league minimum, depending how long he's been in the league. The minimum goes up. So I did a hypothetical for a three year veteran. So the league minimum is eight hundred twenty five thousand dollars if you've been in the NFL for three years. So instead of making that $10 million as your base salary, you'll make eight twenty five dollars as your base salary, and you'll get the other $9,125,000 as a signing bonus. Um, the signing bonus is just like any other signing bonus. You get it paid immediately. You can't take it back. You're not, um, I'm not saying you can't, but it's not typically given back. Um, however, for accounting purposes, that signing bonus is not counted towards just that season. It's prorated over the next, the remaining years of that, of that, uh, that, uh, player's contract. So if there's, if they're a three-year vet and they have, say they've, uh, you know, they've restructured it and they have three years left on their contract, instead of taking a, um, a $10 million cap hit, you would lower their base salary to 825. You'd spread the remaining 9.1 million over three years, which would be roughly 3 million a year. So now that cap hit, instead of being 10 million, it's three million plus eight twenty-five, so you know a, a hair shy of uh, you know about three point nine million. You've just saved yourself over six million dollars in salary cap room just by paying your player a, uh, an upfront uh, a signing bonus versus a uh, a base salary. And it, there's benefits for the for the player as well. Um, that guy gets a check for for you know nine point one million dollars instead of you know having to wait over a whole football season to get his ten million. <laughs> I, I'm I'm sure that's a, you know. That's a rough life, um, but realistically, you know there could there could be things that could happen through the season that would you know possibly affect that pay. Um, uh, so so there's some security in getting a ten million dollar check immediately, and of course there's a benefit to the team because now they get to they have now they now have immediately uh, created some cap space. Now you know it's not something that you, you you can just ignore now that signing bonus that you that you restructured. You know you have future hits to the cap um, because it's spread out over the remaining uh, contract, but in the NFL, we don't worry about next year. We worry about this year. <laughs> so, um, so we're and, and especially the Philadelphia Eagles, who off the top of my head were somewhere around forty some million over the cap before restructures. I mean, you, you know, you can't really think about next year if you're forty million dollars over the cap. <clears throat> so we did make a lot of moves, and of course, we got under the cap by four o'clock today. I don't know the exact number. Um, some there were some ups, uh, some websites that had updated. Uh, spot rack is one of them uh, over the cap i think is another one that wasn't as updated as spot rack but um from the list of contracts we've restructured um are as follows uh we restructured brandon graham we saved about eight million with with that 
Uh, we were able to keep Jason Kelsey, which is great. If we're going to make a push for a legitimate push to to win this year, we need Kelsey. Um, and we kept him. He saves two point eight million. Um, we restructured Brandon Brooks. We saved seven million. Uh, Jason Hargrave, nine million savings. Darius Slay, another nine million we saved. Uh, Isaac Sayamalu saved two point four million. Ronnie McLeod, we just did today, saved uh, two million. I couldn't find the details of Jake Elliott's restructure. He's a punter, so I don't think he's getting uh, our kicker. He's not getting uh, a ton of money, so I don't know how much his restructure saved us, so I didn't even include that one. We restructured both Alshon Jeffrey and Malik Jackson with the assumption that we're going to cut him uh, after June 1st. That's another weird thing. If you cut a player before June 1st, it's a bigger cap hit. You may owe more of, your, of their salary. If you cut him after June 1st, um, you know there's less uh, less obligation. But But restructuring Alshon and Malik Jackson who again will be cut on June in June, saved us $12 million alone. I mentioned that Marquise Goodwin reverted back to the 49ers, saves us 4.3 million almost, 4.28. Now, the one that that um, I was waiting for and I expected and we didn't get yet was Derek Barnett. Um, he wouldn't technically restructure because he's on his, uh, I think the, the fifth year option of his uh, of his rookie contract. <clears throat> and um, and uh so there's, you know, he could technically restructure his deal, but I think they're probably moving towards a maybe a longer term deal. Um, but effective at 4 p.m., he is playing on a fully guaranteed $10 million contract. Um, I expect or would hope that they would probably hammer out something longer term, um, which means they might be able to back end that that deal um, and create even more cap space with a with a sizable signing bonus. Now, as a side note, um when it comes to calorie salary calorie cap, salary cap space, um, I mentioned base salaries. You know, you know, some of these contracts, depending on the player and the position, are you know could be you know laden with a bunch of incentive contracts. For example, you know, for a running back, if they are uh, one of the top ten running backs in the league for rushing yards, um, they get an extra hundred grand. If they are, um, you know, if they lead the lead in rushing, they might get an extra you know five hundred grand. You know, so so there could be performance based bonuses. I don't know all of those and I didn't add those in. So some of these numbers aren't exact. Um, uh, but uh, I just want to throw that in as a side note. So um, so we restructured all those contracts. We did release Deshaun Jackson. That saved about 4.8. Um, we also, uh, so if you add all those together, um, I, I was looking at spotrack.com and um, they had included a majority of those restructures and uh, when I last looked, um, we were eight and a half million over. Um, but that didn't include, I, could, I don't believe that included the Brandon Graham restructure, um, the, the restructure of uh, Malik Jackson and Alshon Jeffrey, Jake Elliott's, which I don't know about, um, Marquise Goodwin's drop because he opted to go back to the 49ers, or today's restructure of McLeod's uh, contract. If we add those all together, um, I'm estimating that... Um, I'm estimating that we're under by about 21 million right now. Um, we'll find out if I'm right or not, but that's my estimate. So um, think about that for a moment. We were one of the highest cap uh, cap hit teams in the league, mostly because of a record 34.8 million dead cap hit uh, because of Carson Wentz. Um, and we were able to whittle that down by restructuring a, a slew of contracts, releasing some players, um, $60 million. So we went from over 40 to, in my estimation, uh, under 20. Um, now we did lose a couple of players. Um, Rudy Ford, special team, special team standout. He signed a, a two year, $4.2 million contract with the Jags. Um, we lost Jalen Mills. 
you know, I'm not sure. I'm real upset about that. He uh, went to the Patriots four year, $24 million deal. Um, we have some, we have some trade rumors going on, not a lot. And, uh, frankly, off the top of my head, I can only think of one and that's Zach Ertz. Um, I think it was yesterday, the Eagles, it was, it was announced or, or in the news that the Eagles gave Zach Ertz permission to shop around for a trade. Um, you know, the fact that new England's spending so heavily and they signed the top, the two top tight end free agents. Um, hopefully that makes the market more attractive for Ertz. Um, and he's able to find a, a decent team to go to that's willing to trade something or give us something better in return. In, in my opinion, Ertz is a, I still think has a couple of years left, but I don't, he's on the, 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 he's on the tail end of his career. And with a young guy like Dallas Goddard, who I think can be a, a definitely a starting number, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, top 10 tight end. I think it's time. I think it's time to let Ertz go, maybe get some, some value for him. Um, you know, grab a, a tight end either in the draft, not at six, but, but, you know, late in the draft or maybe through free agency or, or whatever, just some, some, some guy, just some backup. Doesn't have to be anybody's team. Cause I think God, I think Goddard's a solid, a solid guy. Um, so that is, uh, so that is all the, the trades, all the, the contract restructures, um, that, uh, that's been going on now. Um, of course I haven't been paying attention to Twitter as we've been on, as I've been on the show. I don't know what's happened over the last hour. Um, but, uh, you know, I haven't had, I haven't heard any rumors of any, any movement by the Eagles. Okay. So, um, one of the, one of my favorite parts of the show anyway, is, uh, the bald Eagle fact. So I always like to share, uh, an interesting fact about the Philadelphia Eagles. The primarily they're going to be, they're older. Cause I'm starting in the beginning of the season when the Eagles became a, an NFL team. Um, and I'm going over some of their championship years, which we know were, were in the forties, sixties, and then not until 2017. So, so this year I figured I'd, I'd talk about, or this, this episode, I figured I'd talk about the Eagles, uh, second championship season in the NFL. And that was 1949. Now, just some, for some context, it wasn't called the Super Bowl in 1949. Um, it wasn't called the Super Bowl until after the NFL and AFL merged, um, in the seven, early seven, it might even been 1970. Um, and, uh, before then it was just called the NFL championship. Um, and there were competing leagues. So 1949, the owner of the Philadelphia Eagles was a gentleman by the name of happy hundred. Um, at least that's what Wikipedia said. Maybe I'm being pranked, but, uh, but there, there were some, you know, looking back, some of these names are pretty funny. Anyway, uh, the head coach was greasy Neil. I know greasy is a nickname. Um, our home field was Scheib park, which was later known as Connie Mac stadium. Um, our final record in 1949 was 11 and one. Um, our only loss was to the Chicago bears. Uh, we played them at Wrigley field in Chicago and the last points scored in that game were by a young man. Uh, uh he was 22 years old. Um, his name, he would end up having a 26 year career in the NFL. His name was George Blandy. He was actually a rookie that was drafted that year. We won the NFL championship game against the Los Angeles Rams. We won 14 to nothing. Uh, so this was our second NFL championship in a row. We won the NFL champion in championship in 1948, seven to nothing. Um, so this is the, uh, this was the only time and still is the only time that an NFL team has won back to back championships by a shutout. Um, now we're now that includes, that's not just NFL championships. That's Super Bowls, um, everything. There's never been a, a, an NFL championship slash Super Bowl where, where it's been a consecutive, you know, there's been a two-time winner that, that, uh, wins by shutouts. Um, so that's at least something we have to hang our hat on. Right. Um, it was played in heavy rain. Uh, the attendance was 27,980 people tickets, uh, for the game that were between the goal lines were five bucks. Um, everywhere else in the stadium was $3 and 60 cents. Um, 
in the draft earlier that year, uh, we got a lottery bonus pick. I guess they used to do lottery picks. Like I guess the, the, I think the NBA does now. Um, and, uh, w- so we had the first overall pick, uh, that, that year, even though in 1948, we won the NFL championship, we still had the first overall pick. Um, with that pick, we drafted a local hero from the university of Pennsylvania. Um, he played linebacker and center. Uh, he goes by, he went by the name of Chuck Bednarik. So, uh, he would end up being a future hall of famer. It was a pretty strong draft. I mentioned that George Blanda, uh, was drafted by the bears. Um, Norm Van Brocklin was also drafted and uh, I'm not familiar with this guy, but Doak Walker, who ended up being, apparently was a hall of famer was drafted that year as well. Um, during the NFL draft, um, there was a competing league called the all American football conference, the AAFC, who actually tried to sign some of the NFL castoffs and some of their draft picks. Now, I, you know, back then, I think I mentioned, I've mentioned in previous podcasts that there wasn't a lot of money in, in the NFL in the forties. In fact, um, after the 1948 championship, um, uh, our starting, our starting running back, Steve Van Buren, um, was negotiating, uh, was negotiating a salary. Um, and you know, was, uh, was the greasy Neal at the time was willing to give him, I think 50, was willing to give him, uh, offer him more money. I think somewhere around $15,000, but Steve Van Buren actually declined because the Philadelphia Eagles as, as an organization was struggling financially in 1949, right after they won the NFL championship. So that kind of gives you some perspective on, on things like that. So, but anyway, the, the all American football conference, um, who had again, signed some of the cast offs from the NFL and some of their draft picks, uh, they met with the NFL and they agreed to form one league. So this begins the, um, you know, the absorption of leagues or the, 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 the coming together of leagues to create what is, you know, the current NFL. Um, ironically, and I thought this was a unique little, uh, piece of information the next year in 1950, the Philadelphia Eagles were scheduled to meet um, the four-time champion uh, from the All-American Football Conference uh, on opening weekend. Um, the, four, the, the, the team that was a four-time champion of the All-American Football Conference was the Cleveland Browns. I thought that was pretty remarkable since they haven't won a single thing in, in, my, in my memory. Uh, but it, just like the Eagles pre-Super Bowl era, they were apparently pretty competitive. Now, I don't know how... I guess I could, you know, in subsequent uh, uh, episodes, maybe we'll take a look and see how they've done. They did pre-Super Bowl era, but, uh, but the Cleveland Browns, four-time All-American Football Conference champions in, in the uh, 40s. Look at that. So um, that year, we had a host of, um, of, of uh, um, records or leagues, leads in the league. Uh, Pete Pihos uh, was selected to, uh, as a first-team end, that's their equivalent of the, of the Pro Bowl. Steve Van Buren is a as a first team halfback. He ended up having a, a great career. Um, we led the league overall in offense and defense, both in points scored, points against. Um, Tommy Thompson finished second in pass completion. Uh, he completed roughly fifty four percent of his passes. He only threw two hundred and fourteen times over a season, and there was only a um, a, a, a twelve game season, including playoffs. Uh, but he threw two hundred and fourteen times and completed one hundred and sixteen of them. He also had the uh, Tommy Thompson also uh, read, I'm sorry, led the league in, uh, in quarterback rating with 84.4. Steve Van Buren, who ended up being a remarkable running back, uh, led the uh, league in rushing attempts with 263. He also led the league in rushing yards with 1,146. That was also an NFL record at that time. Uh, Bosch Pritchard led uh, the league in rushing yards per attempts. Uh, um, 
an average rushing yard per attempt with six. Um, Steve Van Buren led the league with 11 rushing touchdowns, which also was a record. Cliff Patton led the league with nine field goals on eight attempts. Not a very good uh, 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 percentage there. Cliff Patton also finished second in the league in uh, field goal attempts. So he had the most attempts and the most um, successful. Uh, Frank Reagan and Clyde Scott were second in punt return touchdowns. They each had one. And Pat McHugh and Joe Muha finished second in interceptions return for a touchdown. Pick sixes. They each had one as well. All right. That was the 1949 uh, championship season for the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. That was the Philadelphia, the, that was the Bald Eagle podcast. Please, if you haven't already, check me out on Facebook. Uh, check me out on Instagram, the Bald Eagle podcast. I'm on Twitter. I'm on YouTube. Soon to be on LinkedIn. If you're looking me up on YouTube, you can find all my, not all of my old, uh, you can find all the old uh, podcasts that were, uh, that were recorded video. Um, uh, you can find any of my old podcasts, audio only on all the podcasts, any, any podcast thing out there, Google podcasts, uh, Spotify, all those things. Um, so follow me on, uh, on, uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn. Um, I'm part of the notoriety sports network. So follow the notoriety sports network on all social media accounts as well. Notoriety sports network is a, is a great network filled with different channels for, uh, for all sports. Um, I'm part of the NSN Philly, uh, channel where the, uh, we, we host a bunch of podcasts and, um, uh, we have breaking news. One of the things that we're proud of is we're typically the first ones to break news on our, uh, Instagram page. So I'm sorry, on Facebook. Um, so keep an eye on notoriety sports network on Facebook. Keep an eye out for an NSN Philly. Uh, remember I'm on Wednesdays at six. I will be live on Instagram, Facebook. Um, uh, uh, I think I'm on NSN's Twitter, but keep an eye out for the Bald Eagle podcast Wednesdays at six and watch all the shows on NSN Philly. Um, I am the only 100% um, Eagles show. Um, we have on Mondays at six, we have the football uh, smack talk show, which is uh, has Ryan Reese and uh, Eric Ward in it. They talk about uh, all the teams. Um, we have our flagship NSN Philly show on Tuesdays at 830. Uh, they talk about all four sports. Uh, specifically Philly sports that features Sean Gata, Eric Palmiero and Reggie Williams. Again, that's Tuesdays at eight 30. Uh, and then the uh, Ryan Reese uh, uh, apparently doesn't <laughs> love sports enough that he has a second show with Ryan Finneran Fridays at six 30. And that's the Philly broadcast. And again, that's Philly sports, but I believe it's all four. Um, so again, keep an eye out for all of our shows. Thank you for listening and watching go Eagles. <laughs>